Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and I'm joined once again by the Locked On Senators podcast crew with the amazing Ross Levitan and Brandon Piller. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for doing this. You guys have really helped me in my career, so I always love uh, having you on. And you are now the uh, the leading guest, uh, the, the person with the most amount of appearances on, on the show with four so uh, we need to get you up, uh, you know, double digits at one point. But, uh, you know, every couple months uh, you guys join and I, I love it. And you guys are doing amazing work. So thanks so much for for coming on. We appreciate it, Pilsy. I never give you the amazing as a part of your intro. Maybe I'll have to rejig that. Well, I mean, Alex didn't give it to me either. It was the amazing Ross Levitan. Oh, yeah, and Brandon Pillar is here, too. So I won't take too much offense to that. That's OK. Maybe one day I'll get up to that uh, stage. Maybe on the fifth uh, appearance, I can get an amazing attached to my name as well. It'll, it'll be phenomenal. That's we'll, we'll phenomenal take... Pillsy. I like it. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like a <laughs> something. Uh, but uh, just I want to, you know, obviously this uh, the season's been tough for you guys. But I want to ask, you know, you guys have been growing. I think you have over 7000 subscribers on YouTube, but I think you had hit a million uh, downloads in a year. Um, just what take us behind the scenes. What is a day in the life of, of Brandon and, and, and Ross like just doing the podcast day in and day out? Ross, I'll do your day. You do mine. How about that? Sure. sure. <laughs> no, no, that might be a little confusing. I don't think I can keep up with Ross's schedule, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it's we love to plan our day around when the Sens hit the ice. So typically we try to record kind of as the Sens are getting on the ice. We're refreshing Twitter, waiting for Alex Adams to tweet out the lines of practice. Uh, the big credentialed guy, he's got his boots on the ground. So we're waiting for his reports. Uh, and then we kind of take a look at the lines. We go through the other team's lines. Basically, our our day revolves around how the Ottawa Senators' day is scheduled and uh, Ross's work schedule as well. But covering this team on a day-to-day basis has been a roller coaster since we started doing it in 2019. And it's always an interesting day in Sens land. And look, today, perfect example of it, the NHL has the spotlight on the Canadian Tire Center. The only game in the entire league is the Ottawa Senators up against the Nashville Predators today. I'm not sure when you're releasing this, uh, Adam, but uh, Monday, January 29th, or Alex, sorry, Monday, okay. January 29th is when we're uh, recording here. And Ross, what's 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 your day like? Uh, just like behind the scenes, like I, I guess for you guys, like how how fun is it, but also challenging is it just to make your lives revolve around the senators well the best thing is uh is the shared calendar that's that's made things a lot easier so yes. whenever we uh whenever we plan the time it's easy to just kind of shoot an email and then it's on both of ours uh shout out apple for that just beautiful <laughs> it probably took us longer to figure out that we can do that than we'd both like to admit but uh th- that's been huge and we like to I'm, I'm an hour earlier here obviously i'm on central time now so um so basically wake up have a coffee stretch stretch the arms walk the dog real quick and and wake up and then uh we hop on and it's it's great to just kind of have a coffee have a few laughs and we almost kind of do prep that way now we used to kind of do our own and bring it to the show but now it's like okay as we're going through the lines we'll you know it will jog our memory of you know a player or or a stat line or something like that and we'll kind of dig in i'd say for a good hour before we we actually hit record and then really 
that way we're oh, like yeah. that way the the engine's already moving like we're already chatting with one another like you know everything's getting moving a little bit in our brain quicker so we're able to uh to just hit record and we never do second takes we just kind of let it it's as though the show is live but we just kind of do it um naturally we used to like i think i mentioned this one of the other times before but for the first i'd say 200 episodes basically before youtube youtube was what kind of changed the workflow of the show if you go back and listen to any of our old like first 100 200 episodes like i've cut out every um ah everything like i've condensed it as much as i can but now we just kind of let it be more natural and i feel like that's appreciated but when we were starting there was also we were less groomed in doing this and we were less smooth so we kind of needed that i think to bring listeners back where they're like wow that was like 35 minutes, but I feel like I got 35 minutes of quality um, speaking and there's not us trying to find our words and all that. So that YouTube, we didn't want the cuts on YouTube to like over and over again. Mm-hmm. So we're like, all right, we we better let it flow. Or I'd say something stupid before and, and Pills would be like, yeah, let's let's take that out. So we'd, we'd have a lot more kind of leeway or leash with what we we're going to take out. So I'd say the whole process to get back to your question, it's probably like, two hours a day, Pilsy, where we wake up like from, from tip to tail. Sometimes now Pilsy and I are big Peloton guys, as you can tell from our, right. our, our beautiful physiques. Uh, no, what we'll do is cause it takes a while to upload on YouTube and everything. So we'll do that. We'll hop on the bike and then we'll come back and finish it yeah. up. So yeah, it's like two hours, two hours, 15 minutes out of our day. And we love it. It's, it's not a, I haven't woken up one day without being excited to jump on, no matter how bad the team is. Did that that uh, seven two loss didn't change anything for you either? Well, we didn't have to do on Sunday, thank goodness, Lord's Day, so uh, <laughs> we're able to kind of let that one sink in. But yeah, no, there's definitely been some tough losses along the way, but um, you know what? That's when the fan base needs to come together the most. Yes. Yeah, I know for sure. I'm also a big. Uh, I don't have Peloton, but I will be on my bike, my stationary bike, right after this recording. So uh, I'm, I'm a big. Nice. Uh, Jacques Martin would love to hear that we're all hitting the stationary bikes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's a teaching <laughs> moment, as you would say. Um, yeah. Just with that, like the one thing before I get to the sense, um, just you talked about how for a while it took a while for you guys to really feel like you're, you're well spoken and and really doing it to the, I guess just the level that you want to how long did that take for you guys to feel comfortable to feel like you're at a really good place in terms of the the product that you put out there for your fans i mean it's kind of hard to narrow it down like this would almost be kind of uh you know in that ten thousand hours uh argument now obviously we haven't hit ten thousand hours but i'm sure there's probably a similar like you don't mindset. think we have no, definitely not. Ten thousand hours is a lot. That's the that's the Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, yeah. How long does it take to become a master of something? I I, I bet when when you're looking at probably Dude. right around episode, just our five. mock drafts, we're looking at like eight hours. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Eight hours is a far cry away from ten thousand. Uh, we're not math guys on on this show. No, we're not. But what I'll say, I just looked on Apple because we're getting up to today was episode 969 of, of yep. the podcast, but we don't wow. actually count the postcast in that or yeah. any of our other or like summer bonus, bonus stuff. Yeah. Live streams as well. So on Apple, because we've posted everything on Apple, we're at 1217 episodes posted. So it's it's getting up there and and it's kind of cool to see like kind of the catalog that's being built now we're finding like you know we do all those draft profiles and now like if a a prospect's name is in the news we'll notice like a little bump on old videos now too which is kind of cool and um yeah but to answer your question like i i think we're still kind of trying to find like the 
the the perfection, right? We're nowhere near that, but it's fun to just try to challenge ourselves and find new ways. Like last summer we added, you know, going to dev camp and getting live interviews this year. We're going to try to go to the draft and, you know, cover different things and keep things fresh, but at the same time, bring back the same, you know, voices that have made the show successful. And, you know, Mark Mathop being a huge part of that. I think it's 18 times now that he's given us his time and, you know, Cheryl Pounders up near double digits now as well. And Scott Wheeler looking at draft talk. So, uh, it's about building a community first and foremost. That's the postcast is a huge part of that as well. And, you know, knowing that you can set your watch to going live after the games, frankly, that's more challenging to do than the podcast every day because it's a set time, right? Like mm. you have to be ready to go right after the game. It's not like, oh, we'll do it two hours later. No, people want the reaction right away. And that's where Martian's been a huge help for us too, where it's impossible for us, Pilsy and I, to each do 82 games right afterwards and it, i also think it helps when we do like a tuesday night postcast and a wednesday morning episode i feel like it does benefit having a third voice on on as well so um that's been a huge help for us as well we want to make sure that it's not you know too many voices at the same time we want to keep mm-hmm. uh of the integrity of just you know pilsy and i and, and what we have and, and have guests on that can solidify that but martian's been a huge help in uh, in growing the show from that standpoint as well What's it been like for both of you to just grow such a large audience and, and the numbers you get on your shows and the fan base and the send central citizens? And now you like you've have relationships with players, you've interviewed coaches, GMs, just what's that all been like for you guys? Yeah, it's super cool. And and kind of seeing like the trajectory of certain like Dave Poulin would have just been, you know, a friend of the show for yeah. for years. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's in senior management with the send. So, you know, it's it's relationships and you see that in terms of hiring as well, right? Like Ann Lauer hired Steos. You think 10 years ago when they, they hired him in Hamilton, they would have known, right? It's just about being, being or trying to be the best person you can. And obviously we like to get in the mud on social media. That's kind of what it's for. I never take it too seriously, but I do think it's fun and a great way to kind of engage the audience in a different way. Um, but all that said, I think just building relationships is the number one thing, Alex, you know that. And it's, yeah. um, it's seeing those relationships kind of, you know, you never know when you'll, you'll lean on someone who you've known in the past. So um, in terms of numbers, like I, I think we're just scratching the surface. Like if this team could mm-hmm. ever be consistent, like if they could ever have a run, like I don't even want to say like the top, top end teams. Cause I don't think it needs to be a Tampa Bay lightning, go to three straight finals or anything. <laughs> I think if this team could even just go to the playoffs, I think we'd be uh, looking yeah. at, at, and not only engaging, but engaging new fans who are like, then they follow the sends on that run. And then all of a sudden they're fans for the next number of years. Like well, all of our citizens, you bring that up. Pilsy can speak to this. When we ask their favorite memories, how many are in 2017? And then like, a there's, there's there hasn't been many since like consistent memories. There's certain times, like it was five, one against the Leafs, certain games, but a consistent core memory. This group hasn't really created that yet. So we're waiting. We're anxiously anticipating it. And, uh, maybe we're delusional, but uh, I, I truly don't think that day is too, too far away. No, no. Yeah. I mean, just from like an outsider, like I know just in the industry, your team that you cover does well, you get way more clicks, way more views, way more everything. So it's uh, I always hear Steve Dangle talk about how, you know, everyone loves to see him cry after the Leafs lose, which I do enjoy. But uh, he actually enjoys more getting more clicks and views when when the Leafs actually win a playoff series but I think it'll be I would, only I would one settle, I would settle for half the amount of views if we're getting wins because Pilsy yeah. and I have we've been through the rebuild frankly like yeah. 
our our last episode before locked on and and it's funny if anyone wants to go laugh at us you can you can sort by oldest first uh, on your favorite podcast feed i know you especially on spotify and you and uh, apple you can do this and i think one of our last episodes before joining locked on was dj smith being hired like yep. we started locked on and we've been doing a show that you know was just on basically soundcloud or whatever before and we were able to save like the last 10 or 15 episodes of that and put it onto our RSS feed. So you can still find <laughs> yeah. those ones. But the last one is DJ Smith being hired. So like, that's how long we've been doing this every single day. And just the the final point I'll say on that, and I'll let Pilsy get his thoughts out on this too, is like the, the feeling of the show growing or whatever. I think something that's almost been a blessing in disguise is we, we could see the numbers, but until the first game that Pilsy and I went to, the home opener against Toronto right after the COVID year, yep. we we had no basis for the fact that people were actually listening because we had never like you know been in a real life situation where you could see it. Yeah, comments and everything, but I think that was the most eye opening thing was going to that home opener and then going to the event that we did before the game against Montreal in April of 2022, where you're being stopped and asked for photos. That was completely foreign to us. We just were two friends talking. We want the show to be, we're sitting at the bar and you're over here in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And for Gleep it to Central actually pub. like, but yeah, Gleep Central Pub. Uh, <laughs> but for it to actually become real life, that to us was like kind of the the most eye-opening moment, I think. Not to speak for Pilsy, but that to me was like, whoa, people actually like care about this. Yeah, like for, for me, it's not like, obviously the big interviews are fun and that's a rush and everything. But for me, the moments where I kind of step back and I'm like, wow, this is, this is so awesome. What this has become it is like Ross has said, the, the community has welcomed us and has been so kind of kind and embracing of us uh, uh, being a daily Senator show. And whenever we come to Ottawa, it's, it's so awesome. Just meeting uh, people that listen or watch the show and, and you dap them up You say they're, they're like, we listen to the show and it's always so kind of, warms my soul to be like i'm a part of this person's daily routine and then i love it too when after talking for a couple minutes they're like oh i'm so and so on twitter and you're like oh man and you make that connection and now you're not just kind of like online friends you can put a face to the name you're like okay that makes sense that you're this person on twitter it all comes around and it's it's just so much fun like even though we've covered losing seasons every year whenever we do those meetups whenever we do the live shows at the Glebe Central Pub it's it's just such a blast and it's it's full of pinch me moments like I can't believe that uh this is what I get to do as a job and uh, we couldn't do it without all the support of the people in the sense community yeah well said well said Pilsy I'll I'll just jump on that and say one of the funnier moments because Pilsy couldn't make the last trip I went for the uh, Sens Leafs game December 7th and some guy's like oh my god like you know you're shoulder to shoulder you're all scooting out after the final buzzer and he's like Ross that you I was like yeah say what up to Pilsy because he was on the phone and oh uh, yeah yeah and I just handed him the phone to a citizen and just the the hilarious reactions you get for that kind of thing it's great and obviously I grew up going to that rink and now to, to you know be there at the same time and and having having this in the back pocket it's just super cool man it's it's awesome and uh, we just want to be a good outlet for the community to come vent or vibe as we say in the postcast it's just uh, about bringing people together and that's what sports is and you just hope that the team can provide moments that where were you when type moments and uh, i really believe that there's uh, there's many more of those to be had 
Yeah, of course. And I mean, uh, you guys have alluded to it, uh, you know, a little bit, just that the fact that this team has not been very good, just general, I know you guys talk about it every day, but what's the feeling for you guys to see this team being one of the, you know, bottom five, six teams in the league, and really just completely um, underperforming, like really no one expected? I feel like our emotional uh, range for the Senators goes in, in, in a cycle. So at the top of the cycle, sends off season, absolute hype, everyone's fired up. And then you start spinning and you're like, terrible start in, uh, well, no, decent start in October, build, build on that off season hype. And then November clicks around, you start panicking. Now we're down at the bottom of the cycle. January and February are here. The team is pretty much mathematically eliminated. Then we get to the trade deadline, a little blip in excitement. And then at the end of the year, you get the Ottawa Senators winning like 15 of the last 20 games to ruin their draft position and uh, don't make the playoffs. And then we start the hype again back at the offseason. And that that cycle just happens on a year-to-year -year basis. You can pretty much uh, put that in your calendars for what we're going to hit at each month. But it's it's still fun. I mean, I guess it's one of those things where, look, I'd rather the team be really good or really bad. Uh, if you're just in the mushy middle and you're constantly six points out of a, of a playoff spot every year and you don't have that draft capital and you don't get to go to the playoffs, it's kind of tough to build on that. So at least the Sens have been really bad and have made it interesting from that point. But I'm done with the really bad years. We've had we've had five of them doing the show daily since November 2019. So I've had my time with that. It'd be nice to mix in a playoff push and maybe even a first round in the playoffs. But where this team is at now, look, the core is locked up. All the big, like, new owner, new coach, new GM, like, everything, all the big changes are happening here. So at this point, it's almost like a sit down and wait. Unfortunately, you got to get through these growing pains. You got to have that off season where the new regime can kind of make their full imprint on things. Because last summer was still Pierre Dorian doing his stuff. So unfortunately, we we got to punt any kind of actual snapshot of this team we have, in my opinion until the next offseason is kind of over with to see how this new regime has put this team forward going ahead. So unfortunately, these are going to be some this is going to be some weird times for the Sens. It's going to be a lot of growing pain, probably a, a lot of more changes uh, when it comes to the on ice product. But it's fun to cover this team because change change is exciting. And uh, this team, this franchise has needed change and the change is starting to come here. Ross? Oh, I think he nailed it. I, I think that there's there's an excitement with change. And I mean, like I said, we know Dave Bullen and, and the kind of yep. guy he is. Seems like Steve yeah. Steos, super steady, steady Stevie Steos. And mm -hmm. uh, and even Michael Anlauer just being able to, you know, fund this team the way a National Hockey League team needs to function uh, to be best in class. I know that it seems like they're far away from it right now. But uh, yeah, exciting. there really is. It feels like uh, we're broken record kind of, you know, hyping up putting lipstick on what's been a disappointing season but uh you know what uh it's it's going to be worth the patience i truly believe that otherwise we would have uh we would have kicked the can a long time ago so um no i truly believe like there is a core of players here that have been successful in their own careers up until this point to me it just it, it's it's improbable that this this core won't be able to live up to the expectations at one point or another 
what what do you think's gone wrong this season? I mean, it's a, a lot, a lot of things, but when you look back and evaluate, what are the, the places or the areas that you really think this per- team has really fallen short of? Well, they just couldn't get any traction on the road, right? You can't have five game road trips twice in the span of a month and lose all five and not even get a loser point in any game. Like that to me is, is the story of the season, but really like you, you break this season down into a numer- number of different segments, right? Like there was that five game homestand at the start that just started so well. Like the first game was kind of a schedule loss hurricanes home opener on the road. I thought yeah. they actually played pretty well in that game, uh, but couldn't get it done. They lose five, three, sure. Whatever. Then you come home, Huge opening weekend with those back-to-back wins. Pilsy and I were boots on the ground. Then the third game of the season at home, they dominate the Washington Capitals. You're feeling good. Then they have maybe their best period of the whole year against Detroit. They put the wings on their heels that game. The Ridley-Greg hit on Debrink. It was unreal, but it gets two-minute interference yeah. penalty. Goes uh, That's something that's happened a few times this year where they get a penalty and it's in the back of their net like within two seconds. Um, and then things just kind of fell apart from there for a number of different reasons. I think that to pinpoint on one might be a little, you know, disingenuous, oh. but yeah. I mean, ultimately you look at where they're at the bottom of is giveaways, defensive zone giveaways and save percentage. And you can say they're all linked. You can say that the goalies haven't been good enough. I have time for that. Um, <laughs> it just feels like when one thing goes well, then they get, then they get kind of sewered with something else. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little like kind of confused to be able to pinpoint just one thing, but it's uh, it's been an, a numerous amount of things that have kind of added up, and and with the amount of change as well, uh, with the coaching change and and the system and everything that they're trying to do, it's it's unfortunate, really. But uh, again, I am holding out hope that maybe it's not this season, even if they lose but play well, like they did, let's say against Colorado, where for the most part I thought it was a decent game, but they lose. Look, one more high draft pick after not having one for the last two years. And I think getting a head start for what this new regime wants to build for a system and a prospect pool and all that. I think long, I know fans don't want to hear it, but I think that long term, it's not the worst thing in the world. How much like do you both think about like the lack of maybe resiliency, like just being on the ground, being around the players. That's something that's asked a lot. They you know, Brady, a bunch of the players have really said, you know, we've, we struggle with that and, and we're maybe fragile. Like, do you think there's something more there to just the team itself, the leadership, not having that resiliency to, to, you know, when they're down to, to, you know, keep themselves in games and, and get points. Yeah. So maybe this is an, and sends fan in van. I want to give them a shout out. They're always in the post cat chat. They're, they're calling this the puberty years and I yeah. get it. Like, there's ups and downs. Like you could have a big pimple one day right on your cheek. You got to still go to school and you're not going to look great. You're not going to feel great, but uh, you know, you battle through it and then you're better for it uh, for the next one. So hopefully these losses and what a ridiculous analogy, but it actually kind of makes sense. It resonates a little bit where it's like, okay, these guys, people forget how young they are, right? Cause they've yeah. been in the league for so long. They're the fourth youngest team in the national hockey league this year. And they pulled up the graphic during the game on Saturday all four of the youngest teams are at the bottom of the standing. So I'm I'm with Steve Stavos. We talked about on Locked On Senders on this Monday show where it's like, I don't know if Tanev, it's the right time or the right like time for him yeah. to come here, but they're targeting the right types of players. They need more veteran who can play. Not your Hamannicks and that type of veteran where you're like hoping they can hang on. You need guys who are still consistently producing. Like, like Tarasenko's one, but you need... Yep. More than just one 
of that type of player. You need a few and Ottawa lacks in that for sure. What's interesting is just being around them. Like I, I've thought about this. Like I, I, you know, I talked to Greg, JBD, Sogard. I'm 25 and I'm older than like the ma- vast majority of the guys <laughs> in the room. Right. And so like, I'm not that like, I'm literally 25. So it's like, that's what a median age of an NHL right? So that kind of shows you how young these guys are. Um, and I, I, I completely agree like with the Tanev thing. It might not be the right time, but they need guys like outside of what Giroux, Hamannick, Tarasenko, they don't really have any 30-year-olds on this team, right? And and that really, it feels like it shows. And um, I, I don't know what you guys think, but I think, and I'm not trying to be hot takey, but I think Kachuk has been interesting this year in terms of his leadership because he gets in a lot of fights, but he kind of just plays with the emotion, but it almost takes control. And I wonder if you think that's something that this team plays with. It plays with the emotion, but they don't really have a way to rein it in and not kind of lose track of, of the bigger uh, game. So I think what I'll say to that and Brady Kachuk could be the captain on any team that I would yeah. create anytime. Awesome. Like if you, if you look at it from, from a standpoint of what other teams have done, I look at LA like LA, they rebuilt, but they kept two key pieces in Kopitar and Dowdy. And now look at Quinton Byfield coming in, getting to learn from uh, Anze Kopitar. The biggest mistake that the Ottawa senators made on the rebuild was Mark Stone. Yeah. He should have been been the captain of this team for right now from the day that Kachuk got here. Sign long term. They were apparently close on it. They wouldn't give him a no trade protection. If Mark Stone was a member of the Ottawa Senators through these years, I guarantee you Brady would be further along in his development than he is now. And he I think you can pinpoint that one thing as something that took this rebuild from what it could have been and and cut the potential down just with that move yeah i mean that that is often regarded by sense fans and ross we we even heard it right from pierre dorian that was the one that that got away like sure you had you had to move on from carlson it's unfortunate but that actually ends up working out great for the sense you had to move on from pajot you had to move on from duchene like those had to happen but mark stone was the guy that he needed to stay because as soon as he leaves verbal meme brady's will smith and fresh prince of bel-air only one in the room like where like where is everyone like now all of this responsibility falls on me a guy in my early 20s and when you're going not only that they they were like he was the big brother too like like yeah took away like the guy the guy who i was just saying on on our show today where it's like or even just now with byfield and kopitar but it's like you know crosby came in the league and had mario like obviously it's a lesser example but you need a veteran that can show you the ropes on and off the ice. And they really, they really did Kachuk dirty, I think, by getting rid of Mark Stone. Well, and they made up for it, Ross, by bringing in Claude Giroux, but that's Four not years enough. later. And, and well, what I was getting at is when you're rebuilding and you're a young captain and things aren't going well, it's okay. Everybody's looking at you like, ah, Brady's a fun player. It's going to be fun when this team gets to the playoffs. But right now, there's not expectations. It's okay that they're losing. And as long as he's kind of bringing these guys into the battles, which he was, and the compete effort was there, which it was, then the losses don't really matter. But now you're at a point where this team has pushed all their chips in. They're spending up to the cap. They're trading away high, high draft picks 
to bring in good players in Alex Brinkett, Jacob Chikrin, and they're signing big ticket free agent deals and Eunice Corpusalo. Like they're putting their chips in here and for it not to be going well for Brady as the face of this franchise with expectations on it. That's where things get difficult. And I mean, you heard Brady talk about it. You're going to see this team's maturity. And unfortunately, this team's maturity isn't at a level where it needs to be to be able to battle through the adversities that they've had to battle through. And yeah, I'm with Ross. If you have a Mark Stone around to kind of have that big brother to lean on, and then you bring in Claude Giroux, the the uncle figure after that, you've got that kind of hierarchy and that structure where the younger players have guys who have been through the ups and downs of uh, of franchises, the ebbs and flows of an 82-game season or beyond if you're going to the playoffs. And that's where you really see this team. I think they will get there, but they're not going to do it yet with how young this core is and how much change is going to happen in this coming year. How much do you think of that? It was maybe a lack of accountability from DJ Smith and, and Pierre Dorian, who I like for lack of a better word, always gave excuses for the team for why they were disappointing rather than really kind of, I don't want to say man up, but just take ownership and say, hey, that's on us. This is our fault. We need to figure it out. Not bad bounces, you know. uh, I think the thing is, and at least this is my opinion, DJ Smith was brought in to guide these players through the rebuild. And he did a good job. I, I don't, uh, if there's DJ haters out there that want to point to the stats and the record and all that, go right ahead. That's fine. DJ Smith was not hired to be the coach of the Ottawa Senators to win Stanley Cups. He just wasn't. Like, it, it's very clear. And he did a good job helping these guys through the rebuild, keeping things light through the losses, uh, you know, mentoring guys and having young guys go through the rigors of an NHL season and making them compete and work hard and, you know, ha- have fun playing hockey and all those kinds of things. That's all, that's all fun and good. And Pierre Dorian was a decent choice to start the rebuild, to tear it down. Sure. Did he miss on some trades? Absolutely. But did he hit on some trades? Big time. So those two guys fit their role in a window of time that time and the expectations and the standard shifted and they weren't able to shift with that. And they weren't the right guys to do that. So now you've got Steve Steos here, a new GM, albeit, but he kind of has the confidence or he does have the confidence, yeah. full confidence of Michael and Lauer as they've and worked has, together in the past. He has an aura too. Like just think about yourself being a GM of another team, the vibe when Pierre Dorian calls versus the vibe when Steve Steos calls. Feel like you're taking them a bit more seriously. Can I can I yeah, say uh definitely the, the one difference is there's no leaks. You like yeah. there's been no leaks from Steos. But, but even just the even just the professionalism oh. of a press conference. Like he's yeah, not like, joking, he's not saying on the eighth day God created Eric Carlson, he's not saying like just the most outlandish things that like there was a meme on every single Dorian press yeah. conference and like, it's great for content. And like, we'll, we'll never st- go away from saying like, I think Pierre Dorian is a good guy. I yeah. think he means well. I think he's a guy I'd love to have a couple beers with, but you need a, a steady presence nah. when you're making trades in the national hockey league. Cause everyone's trying to get the better end of the deal. And I think with Steve Steos, I don't know. I've never obviously been in a trade discussion with him or anything like that, but it just feels like he has a presence about him that you need in, in the NHL landscape. Cause there's a bunch yeah. of sharks out there. Look at all the name, like 
You think you think I'm trusting Dorian to talk to Lou Lamorello, or am I trusting a guy like Steve Steos? Oh, right? like, I mean, Ross, you, you mentioned Sharks, a perfect example. He trades Mike Hoffman to the Sharks, gets a terrible deal, and then the Sharks flip him for way better picks, and it ends up working out, out for them. Dude, and that, Ottawa gave up the higher pick in that Hoffman trade. The big get was Mikel Bodker. Yeah, and he he was a, a, pre, a press... They, uh, tried, they tried to gas us up on Julius Bergman. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That was a wild one. So, so it's those kinds of things. And I think I am so fascinated to see what Steve Steos's first move is going to be and what that's going to look like uh, and who it's going to be with the, the teams. Cause we know uh, Pierre Dorian kind of had teams he, he liked to deal with uh, Arizona, Chicago. Um, uh, there's a couple other teams that it seemed like he the was Leafs. always working with. Yeah, yeah, the Leafs, definitely. That's a big one, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what path Steve Steos takes here. And his first move is going to be under the magnifying glass for sure. Yeah, and he's it, only the only move he's ever done was signing Shane Pinto at the league minimum. And I think yeah, there's even true. something to be said yeah. about getting him for league minimum. I get that he had no leverage, but his qualifying offer was like 890. So to get him at 775, I mean, I mean that now you're not having to play with anything else. They're so close to the cap. They're able to fit them in no problem. So I don't know. Like, obviously that's a different circumstance, but he hasn't made an outside player move yet. And I am going to be fascinated at what the first one is. And, and, you know, I asked him at the press conference, what was it a couple of days ago? Like just what he'll do at the deadline. And all he said was the market will dictate. I love that. And Dorian and- would have given you a, a whole book on his plan. He'd yeah. be like, I want a right shot defenseman between age 29 and 32, and I'll give anything to get it. Yeah, which is just terrible negotiating. But like, we don't overall... negotiate through the media, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and with that, like, what what do you think this team needs to do? Like with Steos, like I think that's one of the biggest questions. Obviously, we can maybe get to the coach later, but what is it to blow up the core to some extent? Is it just around the margins? Do you trade Tarasenko? Like, what what do you think? Steve Steo's first big piece of business should be. I think Tarasenko should be a, exactly what he said. I know that like it's, he did, he said a whole lot without saying anything, but I think the market should dictate that. If you get a deal, you cannot refuse on Vladimir Tarasenko. You trade him. If Tarasenko will only sign a three or longer term deal at a, a market value, you probably then have to look for what the best offer is at the end of the day. I don't think it's I don't think it's in anyone's best interest to let him play through the year and then just walk at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, now he has a no trade clause, so that'll dictate some of it as well. I'm curious to see this situation because you want good vets, and Tarasenko seems like the kind of guy where yes. you can get him at the right cost. But are you going to have him making five million or more on the third line? Probably not. So that's where it's like a name that I know was thrown out there a bunch this offseason was, was Pia Suter, who signs at the end of the, the 12th hour. He gets a deal with Vancouver, and now he's he's been unreal for them. So yeah. he's a guy who's making, I think, one, one point something. So I think Steos might be able to spend that money more wisely, but it's about bringing in the right people if he's going to do that. I don't mind if Tarasenko comes back on a short-term deal. I think he's been a good vet for the room, but that's going to be an interesting one to follow. But I'm more intrigued of who he targets as a defenseman. I do not think this sixth defenseman core is going to be here after the deadline. Somebody's got to go. Um, now the easier move is to just JVD or Brantstrom and try to upgrade the bottom pair. 
um, and then deal with the rest in the summer. But I think that we're going to see a defenseman added, and I will be very curious to see who they target. Hanev would be awesome. I just don't know if the age and timing is right because uh, obviously he wants to play in the playoffs. So that that's curious. Yeah, I think for me, you got to – I got to assume one of the guys on long-term deals are going to be moved just so now Steve Stales can say, okay, none of these guys are my guys. I don't have any loyalty to any of them. If he can move one of those big contracts, that frees up a lot of space for him to make his own imprint on things. And I just, Ross mentioned it. The guys that are locked up long-term, I feel like they've had their own individual success but they haven't all been able to put it together as a team. And if they're not going to be able to do that, you need to have the opportunity, the flexibility to try to switch things up. So I really think there, there's got to be one big splash of a trade. And even if it, it sounds bad, but even if it's just moving someone out to, to start putting guys on notice, like, hey, the old regime signed you guys, you young guys to these big ticket deals. Don't be so comfy here. We're going to change things around. And I think it'd be interesting to see what happens this offseason because even with the cap going up, this team's going to be very close to it and they need to make changes if they're going to have any chance at success. Obviously, uh, you know, Martian put out a tweet about Chikrin and and he has one year left. Like, what, what do you think should happen there for either of you? This is, again, the market's going to dictate. I'd love to see Chikrin be a senator for life. I think yeah. the, that he brings a ton of of uh, benefit to this team. That being said, do you, do you foresee a world where they're going to have a left-shot defenseman playing the right side forever? Like To, to me, the fact that they're targeting Tanev, who's a right-shot defenseman, defensively responsible, to me, that dictates that they want a right shot top four defenseman. Zub on the shutdown slash second pair is fine Even with, with me. Sandy. Yeah. So then you get into a situation like I'm sure this summer we'll be doing shows Shabbat versus Chikrin, Shabbat versus Chikrin. I'd love for it to work out the right way, but they're both offensive defensemen. I think Chikrin was sold to fans as a bit more of a two way defenseman than he actually is. He's an offensive defenseman. I think he defends well off the rush, but in his own zone, sometimes he fumbles the puck. He's unsure what he's doing with it. I think it has to be one or the other. Now, if you're Steve Steos, is it close enough that you go with who gets you the most value back? I think that's might be what it comes down to. And in that case, it's probably Chikrin because Shabbat obviously has the, the big money coming in the next four years of his deal. So, this is probably the most fascinating storyline that we're going to follow. I'd love for them to be able to figure out a way where they can keep everybody. I just don't know in a cap world if that is going to be available to them. For for me, I don't see a world where the Ottawa Senators are successful with Jake Sanderson, Thomas Shabbat, and Jacob Chikrin. I just I don't know how they make it work in the cap. I don't know how they get all those guys the ice time without someone playing on the right side, which doesn't really work. And honestly, and Clevin's coming, by the way, exactly. Clevin's coming. It's, it's going to be interesting to see him in the mix. And I'm kind of at a different point with you, Ross, when it comes to trading uh, Shabbat or Chikrin. For me, it's not even really about who gets you the better return. I'm not so concerned about the return on trades on those guys. Now, obviously you want to get good returns, but for me, it's almost an, 
I don't mean this to be a slight at either of those guys because they're both great players, but it's almost like an addition by subtraction. Like you're just, you're just freeing up that space. So now you can, you have a new canvas to work with because with Sanderson, Shabbat and Chikrin, like next year when Sandy's contract kicks in, that's $20 million for those three guys. And you can't have one of them playing on the third pair. And it's not sustainable to have one of them playing on the right side, just so that they're not on the third pair. So something's got to give there because this was supposed to be everyone was saying it this was the decor the best decor this senders team has seen in a long time this year and it's just not working out yeah it's not at all and that's 20 million pills right now and if you are going to keep chicken next year you're going to keep you're going to keep near beyond that at what six seven eight million dollars six at least six yep right yep yep I, i guess with that like with with the core, like, do you look at the forward group too? Because they've been such a mess in their defensive zone. And I think a lot of that has just been the forwards and, and their inability to to really play good 200-foot hockey. Do you look at a Norris? Do you look at a Batherson? Like, is that another shakeup that you think about? For I me, Batherson's contract is too good to trade. I, I think they'd, they wouldn't come out on the right side of that um, unless – unless they get a lot of value in return and they already have kind of a replacement there. It it pains me to say it, but I just, I don't know if that Josh Norris contract is going to work out and that would be. But you're not, you can't, who, how are you trading that? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And and that's why I said, that's why I prefaced that for me, trading one of the big guys, the return isn't actually the, the priority for me. It's, it's what's, What's the step after the return? But you can't get negative value. Like you can't be giving up assets like Dorian was handing no, out second no, no, round no, no, picks. No. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying the where Steve Steos is is going to make a change, positive impact change, isn't going to be on the returns of players he trades. It's going to be what he does after that, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it, it's such a fascinating thing. And, and I guess the last thing on, on this is like, would you wait till the offseason or would that be something that you look to at the deadline? You can't move big deals at the deadline. It just it doesn't happen. Teams teams aren't prepared for that. So it's got to happen during the offseason. And I think a lot of the decisions that the Ottawa Senators are going to make and players that are potentially thinking of re-signing here is what's this coaching staff going to look like next year? I think that's going to have a major impact on how management, players, fans, everyone views the future of this team. That said, I don't think Jacques Martin is going to be the coach beyond this year, but I hope he sticks around in the organization, whether as an assistant or as a senior advisor, because I think he brings a lot of professionalism to this group as well. Being on the ground, I'd imagine, like that's kind of what I've heard, uh, but... I mean, I'd be I'd be surprised, let's say, if if he wasn't part of the group after like this season. That's just kind of what it feels like. Um, and uh, yeah, well, I guess with the you know, you know, Brandon, you put a perfect segue into to coaching. What what kind of coach does this team need moving forward? Patrick Waugh. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have loved Patrick Waugh. It's it sucks, and I think it's the knife got twisted even more when Michael Anlauer after did that French interview and was like, yeah, the time he didn't work out, we had, we kind of had it all lined up, but it just, the timing didn't make sense. So it was, it was right there. And we mentioned, we started off uh, right around the time DJ Smith was hired. Patrick Wall was interviewed as yep. a part of that interview process when they were looking for a head coach at that time as well. 
I think, obviously, Tungan, that was a little joke. Patrick Wall is with the Islanders, so he's not available. But I think a Craig Berube type would be a good guy to go for. That's a hard-nosed guy that he, the story of him with the Blues in 2019 is incredible. Uh, obviously, St. Louis connections with Brady Kachuk. Dave Poulin has said it in the media before he came to the Sens. That's a guy he would be targeting. So, for me, Craig Berube is, is the front runner, at, at least in my own personal list. As of now, right? If Pittsburgh doesn't make now. the playoffs, is is uh, Mike Sullivan a kind oh. of guy? I mean, the dream is Tampa falling off and John Cooper leaving. I doubt it, but that would be friggin' awesome. Uh, bring Stamkos while you're at it. There's yeah, there's sure. your veteran presence, eh? Uh, yeah. No, but all jokes aside, I mean, if you bring in Craig Berube, uh, you can kiss Vladimir Tarasenko goodbye, probably. Probably. Um, yeah. But uh, that being said, I just think you need someone with pedigree. All the guys I just named yeah. there as 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 kind of outlandish as a few of them are. Um, you need a guy who's, I, I'll say, you need a guy who's won a Stanley Cup, like, or at least gone deep into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I don't, look, I'm sure he's a great coach, but the idea of John Gruden, the Marley's coach, being the next guy, oh, man, that disappoints me so much. Again, I'm not, I don't know hardly anything about him, but it just, just the, the optics of it. The optics of it, it is not good, and I just feel like you're taking a risk there. He can be an assistant. Sure, sure, yeah, and I, I mean no disrespect to him at all. I'm just saying if we're looking at resumes and the style and uh, the experience of a coach I want, that ain't it. Agreed. Yeah, of course. Uh, I want to go to goaltending because I, I know you, you you guys have talked about for Pacella specifically, just – how much of this season is on the goalies? A lot. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of it. Ross and I like to tout ourselves as hashtag goalie-friendly shows. We were both tendies in our illustrious careers uh, growing up. But the goaltend, like, it's, I really try, I wriggle and I squirm to get out of making uh, bad comments about the goaltenders, but I can't avoid it anymore. It's it just hasn't been good enough. And it's one thing if these are rebuilding years and it's all on the defensive structure. Now, some of it certainly can be pointed to the defensive structure. Absolutely. But when Corpus Al is just getting beat by clean shots from the blue line, that, that and means. those are goals that are um, deciding games here and not just one or two bad ones, and you're like, ah, that's too bad. It's happening almost every single game. That's where this is an issue, and it becomes a compounded issue when you think they just signed this guy a five-year deal. He's in year one, not even through year one of that five-year deal. When do you think about a buyout, Ross Levitan? This, this is your this is your music. No, not this summer. I was just having fun again. Nothing I do on social media should be taken seriously. Um, <laughs> I love getting the people going, and and the engagement's great. And I do think there is a legit conversation because the buyout ain't that bad. No, the way things are, the way things work sad out to say with his contract. But if you wait one more year and like 4 million, like, let's be honest, it, it's not going to make or break the salary cap. Yeah. I think you they don't have a better option more. right now. Like if they had a guy that was ready to fully take over and be a number exactly. one starter, that's different. But, and, and I hate, I hate to say, um, I hate to say this cause I, I hope he comes back, but it feels to me like Forsberg has one year left. He might be an LTIR guy. Next year. Yeah, or or I mean, even that uh, the Sens have a lot of money coming off the books. That could be a a cheeky buyout just to get out of that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's two point seven five million for him, right? And like I know that Corpus Al has been front and center because he's played more recently. Like Forsberg was 
was pretty bad all year too. Yeah. What, what have you thought of Sogard? I know it's like early. He was played. A- ask ask me in a couple weeks on Sogard. I I can't I can't comment one way or another. I like right. He's only started. Th- this is third start tonight as we're recording yeah. Monday. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't put any weight into games where a goalie comes in midway through. I put zero weight into that. So um, yeah. yeah, we'll see. He looked great in the AHL though this year. That that much I can tell you with a bigger sample size. But I mean, at some point, right? He's twenty four. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a RFA this summer. So it's like, are you gonna get that one way contract? That's kind of what he's what he's playing for right now. And at 24, 25, like that's when you're starting to see goalies really take the jump to the next level. So he's he's obviously his his development had been curtailed because of COVID with less games to play and less opportunity to get his his game under under his belt. But um yeah, next two years to me, critical for Sogard, next three years for Marilyn, and I'd give him an extra year there. The the big thing, just to hop in quick about Sogard though, the team believes in him. Like having yes. Brady Kachuk come out and publicly say when Mads had the a couple rough games there, and Brady says to the media, when we're having success, I forget the exact quote, so I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but he's like, When we're lifting the Stanley Cup, Mads Sogard will be a big part of that. So he has the support from the captain publicly and and the team and the franchise. So we're big Mad Sogard guys. Uh, I, I think it's his development has been tough. It's been up and down and things out of his control and out of the sense control, unfortunately, but we do believe in his potential. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, I have a couple of questions. The first one is just how fun has it been to, to be, to have Michael Ian Lauer, the owner of the Sens, and he's doing media hits and he's sitting front row at games. Just what's that been like for you guys just to see an owner like that, what compared to, you know, God rest his soul, but uh, not, not, not very stark contrast in terms of ownership for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, let's, let's, let's see what it looks like in the next few years. Cause obviously they, you know, there's been upgrades to the arena. There's been upgrades to, you know, the way the, the staff has been uh, upgraded, but uh, yeah, to me, an owner is only as good as the wins loss record. I, I just want a team that wins. So, um, but yeah, no, it is, it's a breath of fresh air for sure. And um, he's saying and doing all the right things so far. So you got to give him credit for it, for that. Yeah, so, so far it's been great. Uh, he's the kind of owner I think the Ottawa Senators needed. I, I think really when you're looking back at it, I'm glad uh, that it wasn't kind of the Snoop Dogg group or even the Ryan Reynolds group. I think this is actually the the right group for the Ottawa Senators. But what I will say, I'll kind of tag, tag along with Ross here. I'm going to reserve judgment on Michael Anlauer for a little bit. Got to see a full offseason. But Michael Anlauer... Like Steos is his guy, Pilsy, and it's like, let's see what kind of players they're targeting. They haven't brought in a single guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's what we're waiting on. But for me, Michael Anlauer's legacy as the Ottawa Senators owner will be tied to how this arena goes, right? And that's obviously years down the road, but that will be his lasting legacy for the Ottawa Senators, in my opinion, is how do they handle getting this new arena done? Yeah. No, yeah, and uh, it doesn't seem like it's anywhere close, at least. Which is fine, yeah, it's fine. fine. And he just took, you know, ownership of, what, six months ago, not even? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know you guys have been doing, like myself, a lot of PWHL coverage. You've had a lot of cool people on your, your show. Yeah. Just how cool has it been to see, you know, the women's game here in Ottawa and then to cover it as well? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's great hockey. I really am enjoying what I'm seeing on the ice and, and having them available on YouTube. 
so great. You can bring it with you wherever you are. If you're, you know, you're waiting at the doctor's office, no matter what, you can just pull it up on YouTube. You don't have to go through um, the gong show that is trying to get NHL action on your phone with the Sportsnet app being what it is. So I think that the, they're making it available for as many people as possible. And and the, the ladies are living up to it. Um, now we're a goalie friendly show. So we love how Ottawa's got the best goalie in the league too. mashmeyer has been unreal. And um, no, just looking forward to continuing that. We're hoping to get out to a game this year. That's a goal yep. of ours. And um, I just think that it's, it's been great for the, the city too, right? Bringing it to a different fan base. So we're just trying to do our part before we kind of brought it within locked on senators. And now we're like, no, let's kind of separate the two. And that way fans of the women's game don't have to scroll through LOSP to find what they're open for. And then, you know, on the flip side, I'm not holding it against anyone if they're just not interested. Like, that's cool. I don't really care about the Red Blacks at all. Doesn't mean I'm a bad guy or anything. So um, I think that that way we're, we're separating it a bit. And I think that's good for everybody. Everybody wins. So, um, no, the more hockey in the city, the better. And, and the more that they're kind of um, entrenched in the community, I think it'll just continue to pick up steam. And, you know, even though there's been a few OT losses, they're, they're finding ways to get points. So they'll all matter at the end of the season. And, uh, yeah, all, all good things, Alex. And uh, you've been doing a great job of covering that as well. Yeah, what what I'll say about the PWHL, I haven't been able to catch a, a lot of the games, uh, obviously watching the highlights, following along on Twitter and things like that. But what I'll say is they're really doing the right job with how they're marketing this. Like, I feel like women's hockey in the past, you know, there was never united fronts. There was never kind of, okay, this is the league. It's always kind of multiple leagues competing and there hasn't been any longevity there, but this feels like the real deal. And they're marketing on social media. The, I love the the photos of the girls walking into the rink and they got their different outfits on. That's so much fun. That like you need to find parts where you can have fun with the women's league and not just be like, hey, we're NHL, but it's women, right? Like you need to find different things. The jailbreak goal. That's so awesome. You score a goal when you're on the penalty kill and that eliminates the penalty. That's a lot of fun. You've got um, the girls showing up at all-star games because they deserve the spotlight as well. Um, you got social media kind of rivalry sparking up and things like that. So it just feels like they've found the formula to at least have the building blocks to have a successful women's league and these athletes, they deserve it so much. Like it's so hard for them to be professional athletes without having kind of a stable, secure, um, you know, league and teams to play on. So I'm just so happy for all these female athletes because they deserve this. And then to even put a step further, I love the way they're getting a lot of the broadcasting done by by females. Like our, our friend Cheryl Pounder, uh, we've got Mo coming on the show uh, often here. We just had Kenzie Lalonde on. Um uh, Claire Hanna like there, there's so many good voices that can be broadcasting and premiering women's hockey and I'm glad that they're really leaning into that yeah no it's, it's awesome and being around them they're they're so incredible and you talked about just like like some of the players they just they had nothing to do they just practiced by themselves that's how they got better or they'd get someone to throw pucks at them and uh, help them out or go in net even though they don't play hockey or anything like that just to, to practice on a goalie it's like those kind of stories it's like they're the best in the world they don't they don't deserve that they deserve to to have a league and to practice so um, they've been awesome and uh, coach McLeod's pretty funny as well so um, the Ottawa is pretty good great group of uh, 
women uh, need to represent us. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we see more playoff hockey on the women's side here in Ottawa than Hmm. men's. It feels like it, at least for this year. But uh, anyways, thanks so much, guys. I, you know, I love having you guys on. You guys have helped me out so much and uh, I really appreciate it. Do you any, anything you want to plug for the uh, phenomenal podcast? (laughs) Phenomenal Pillsy. No, everyone knows, uh, or if you don't, you can follow us on social media at send central on Twitter and uh, locked on senders is available wherever you get podcasts. So no, Alex, we appreciate you, man. It's great seeing you continue your coverage and growth in the industry. And uh, it's only going one way, man. It's going to the moon. So uh, looking forward to uh, continuing that and anytime we can be a part of it. It's, it's our pleasure. Well, thanks so much guys. I, you know, I really appreciate the kind words from, uh, you know, once a Send Central uh, citizen to now covering the team, it's, uh, you know, kind of very quick uh, how uh, things change in life. But uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, best of luck with the rest of the season. Hopefully uh, see you guys around at a game.